Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. My name is David Massover. I'm going to be your host today, and we have got a really cool guest today. Today, we are talking to Jason Smith from LeagueSide. Jason, welcome to the podcast. David, thanks so much for having me. Excited to chat today. Hi, it's a pleasure. Now, you are the VP of Accounts at LeagueSide. You are a member of the Revenue Collective. You've got more than a decade of mostly sports and entertainment-related sales, which is you know, particularly cool, but you know, sales and marketing experience. So from all that, what is the single best piece of sales advice that you ever heard or ever received? Great question. Uh, and I think the best piece of advice I ever personally received, and this doesn't get talked about so, so much on the new business side, is that once you're done, or at least once you've closed your sale, that's when the real work has begun. And typically, you see that applied to client success or see it applied to whatever team is going to handle carrying out whatever sold. But I feel like that gets neglected oftentimes on the new business side, and it shouldn't be. Reason for that is, is frankly, number one, you're going to find out more from someone who bought your product about why, or at least the why behind that became a buy on their side, than you could ever get from any other type of market research. So neglecting that kind of relationship, even though it might get passed to a different team internally, is only doing yourself a disservice. And that's something that I've made sure I've focused tremendously on in keeping those relationships just as strong as they were throughout the buying cycle. And knowing, again, they could be a great referral or at least a reference for any sort of new business that you're going to be bringing through on your pipeline going forward. So know that even though it feels great getting that signature on the dotted line and that sale done, that is not where things end and it shouldn't be where things end on the new business side. That's a great piece of advice. The neurons in my head are just firing at a mile a minute because I think there's so much baked into that that you can build from. Number one, you know, we always talk about we want to sell from the perspective of the clients. And I think the salesperson has this idea that you know I'm racing towards the signature on the contract. And for the client or the, or the prospect at that point, the signature on the contract is the starting line. So if you really want to engage with the prospect properly, you have to think, okay, so how do we want them to feel about what's going to happen after they perceive this thing starting, not I perceive how it was finishing? Absolutely. And I think the one thing that has jumped out more than ever, especially as we're starting to become an even more and more remote or digital environment, is that buyers are equipped with more information than ever before. And you need to remember, as we are talking to these buyers on the sell side, that at the end of the day, we're trying to find solutions that are going to best fit what they are looking to achieve. 
And that's only going to happen if your product actually is bringing something to the table that's going to help them find that solution on their side. So ensuring that not only getting their signature on that dotted line, as you mentioned, is just the start for the buyer on their side, but making sure your product is living up to what they are seeing is only going to help you in every single which way possible, getting new business to come across the line on your side as well. Yeah, the other two things that jump out at me is, you know, if it's appropriate for your business, the, the easiest business to get is, is the business you can get from your existing customers. You have a relationship, they're happy with your product. If you keep them happy, they're going to come back. But I think there's something even more subtle and super powerful. And I don't know when this episode's going to publish, but just yesterday, I did a post about this on LinkedIn, which is the idea that when you're reaching out for new business, talking about what the experience of your current customers is, is a much more powerful way than speaking about things in the abstract. To say, you know, we had a customer in the XYZ space or a customer just like you or a customer in West Texas or whatever it is, you know, who was going through a similar problem. And, and what they did is they started using our stuff and this happened, you know, and it becomes a story and it's real and you don't have to make it up if you're engaged with your customers and if you're really paying attention to that. You're absolutely right. And the way that we often look at it is at the end of the day, if you're going to buy some sort of product on Amazon, you're going to feel a lot more confident in that product if they have the four and a half or five star reviews from multiple people rather than that new item that might have just been posted and really taking a shot in the dark just off of what sort of marketing message might be behind it. So to your point, your current client base is going to be kind of that fountain that's spouting that's going to hopefully bring not only new business that could come from business lines at their own company, but to your point, bringing in those experiences that they've had with you to new prospects out in the wild really is just going to hopefully take you to new heights from a new business perspective. So don't run away from your customers as soon as you get the contract signed is the best advice you ever heard. What about the flip side? What's a piece of bad sales advice that you've heard as you've, you've kind of walked your walk? Yeah. So you and I have talked a little bit about emotion and really kind of buying into what you're selling. And I think the worst piece of advice that I have ever gotten was that it doesn't matter how you feel about the product or service you're selling, so long as the process behind it is sound and you're able to figure out what the pain points are that a prospect has. And that might work for some. I have found on my side that that just couldn't be further from the case mentioned earlier, the buyers are more informed than ever before. They're also getting sold by more people than ever. They're able to smell any sort of BS or anything else coming from a seller from a mile away. If you are not invested in the success of your product, or at least believe in what you are selling, it's going to do you a tremendous disservice. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about what is happening at league side, but frankly, we would not be where we are today if myself and our team didn't intrinsically believe in the product that we are selling. And it's just so much easier to do the job when you actually believe in it and you really believe you can help clients. Sure, you could fake it, but isn't it just so much easier for everybody when you actually believe what you're saying? To that point, it's just so much easier to wake up every day and be excited about what you're selling. It can be really, really hard to wake up. And I've experienced it before and not be excited to get into the office and go to work for the clients that you have or not believe in what you're selling and 
really, it's difficult at the end of the day and making sure that this is something where whatever you're selling is something that you truly believe in and get excited about. It's only going to make the job that much easier going forward. Life's too short not to. And, and that's a great segue to LeagueSide, the, the company that you're with now. You're the VP of accounts there. It's a really innovative company in the sports marketing space. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that, but also about you know where LeagueSide is in terms of the company's maturity and, and their growth path and, and how you guys have been able to navigate to the place you are now and how you plan to keep the passion going as you continue to grow. I assume that's a, that's a good topic for you. You're feeling good about that. I think we can find a few things to discuss with that. No, super excited to chat with you about that. Awesome. Let's start by just having you share a little bit about what's LeagueSide all about. Can you give us a bit of background for context? Yeah. So LeagueSide, the nation's largest community marketing platform. And the way that we're able to achieve that is through youth sports sponsorships at scale. So kids or parents, when they were growing up, played Little League in their different local townships or played in their local youth soccer organizations, might have had the local pizza shop, local doctor's office that sponsored their jersey or had a banner up in the outfield. It's a tremendous way for these different local businesses to make sure that they're giving back to the communities and ensure that those different community members are hopefully coming to them for business we're able to give that local hometown feel to national and regional brands at scale. So we work with clients like Comcast, Cigna Insurance, Chipotle, to help them target families that are in different markets that they serve while giving back to the communities that surround them as well. So it ends up being a win-win and that we're able to help make youth sports more accessible while also helping our clients achieve their local marketing goals. That's super cool. I, I think anyone who's ever been around uh, youth sports remembers who the sponsor was. And, you know, if it was a pizza place, they brought the pizza stuff. And, you know, like there's definitely a bond and a relationship there because it's a great family and it's a great community time. So that you guys are tapping into that is really fantastic. The company is about five years old. And when we spoke previously, you told me a little bit about how you managed to get initial traction with some pretty big clients without even realizing that any of you were actually selling anything. Can you talk about the way you guys got started by harnessing this natural passion that you had for the business into some really great initial deals? Totally. So we spoke about this before, but I think one of the best things that can happen when you're working at a startup, especially when it's in its very early stages, is that you don't know what you don't know. So when we had initially started going out and pitching companies in every which way and form, and it was totally a spray and pray approach, looking at companies we thought could be great fits. You might have started lower on the totem pole if you're at a larger organization and target a marketing manager, target a marketing director. Well, we didn't know that. And we were going after the CMOs of organizations or the CEOs. And it actually worked in our favor in that we are selling an intrinsically understandable product and that every parent that is working at these organizations has is either a parent that has kids that are playing sports currently and they get it, or they grew up playing youth sports. And works in our favor too, that 95% of CEOs grew up as an athlete. 
So we had something that really matched kind of what they thought was a great value play. And while the product worked, it was really, again, just something that we just had no fear. It was going after someone who was sitting up at the top of these totem poles and giving it our best shot was our 30-second elevator pitch to someone who's sitting up at the top of an organization. And that's really what gave us our initial traction. And to your point, we really didn't know what we were selling. It was the idea behind youth sports. And that almost led to even more success for us because it gave the different clients that we landed initially that kind of feeling that they were the ones that were designing what we were selling and it made the sale even easier. So that was what was really fun about the initial start and traction of League Side. Back in the early days, you were just a handful of people. The company was small when it got started. And how many people are at League Side now? Yes, yeah, so we're a team of, and this is the, we have a cameo noticeable from the, of a, the company. This dog. is a classic of a, the times we're in right now with working from home. But so, what we were to start, and when we had landed those initial deals, we sat, sat at a team of around five. Uh-huh. Where we are now is we're a team of about twenty, and the dynamics have changed significantly. And I would be totally lying and not upfront if I said everything has gone according to plan since then. But we have learned a lot and we've gotten a lot better at what we had done previously. So how has the dynamic changed? I mean, you you were able to kind of feel that. What it, Maybe it's a dumb question, but just what, what did you experience? What do you feel? What do you see that's different as the company has grown from, you know, one card table to, uh, you know, more than one? So... To start, we were a team of a lot of early professionals in that we didn't have people who had come to the organization from whether it was larger scale organizations or who had been at startups before. So when we were a smaller, more nimble team, it led to the entire team having an immediate go-getter attitude in that if there was a task that needed to be accomplished, someone was just empowered enough that they were going to go take care of that themselves with no questions asked. As the team has gotten larger and team members are growing into more senior leadership roles, it's created a dynamic. And I think this is something, at least from people I've talked to and books that I've read, that's pretty normal for organizations that experience growth like this, in that it can be very difficult to be able to kind of let go of those different individual contributor type of responsibilities that fall under your head or fall under your role. And make sure you're empowering teammates that might sit below you or or that you're now managing on the team. And that led to us having probably a slower pace in decision-making and not being as nimble as we were before. So it's been a really, really big thing for us to make sure we're getting back to what made us successful at the start and ensuring that each team still has that attitude of feeling empowered and moving forward on things without waiting for approvals from three different people. So that's now become something we've become a lot better at. And I would say our agility has increased in making those decisions. So you kind of went through uh, an interesting cycle, small and nimble to kind of medium-sized and really slow because you didn't know how to be nimble. And now you're moving back towards nimble at a larger size. Exactly right. So 
how do you bring people into an environment like that and kind of indoctrinate them to this, this balance point that you've found internally as you grow? So what we do is we'll draw on examples of what we have done in the past that's been successful. So an example of that would be looking in as a sales team specifically. We'll have our different outreach strategies that we'll make sure that we're walking through and seeing what might be working or what might not be working. And we don't want to wait until the sales meeting that might occur a week later to digest or at least diagnose something that might be going wrong, whether it's email outbound strategy, LinkedIn strategy, what have you. We don't want to sit and wait five to seven days. That feels like a lifetime in startup years, and we need to make sure that we're being as nimble as possible. So we'll draw back on examples of teammates that have made those changes instantaneously, and they will then make sure that they could potentially send over messages over Slack, call a team meeting to say, hey, this change has been implemented, and I want to show you the results of that implementation. And that has led to teammates that have either just come on board or at least are gaining new responsibilities to feel empowered to make those decisions on their own. And we're also going to point out mistakes that we've made in the past too. And I think it's really important that people who are really within your organization understand that making mistakes is going to happen and it's okay. It's how you are able to recover from them and make sure that a learning from that mistake has been applied going forward. So that way you're able to make sure that this is going to be successful moving on. Yeah. You know, the mistake thing, it's a big deal because the whole concept of fear of failure, I think is something that when you're a small team, you're usually, it's usually more entrepreneurial folks. There there may be a little bit more experience. They've had some bumps, they've overcome them. But as you grow, you get people with different levels of experience, different kinds of experience. How do you make it safe for people to fail? I mean, it's one thing to say like, oh yeah, we've made mistakes and we recovered from them. But then John and Sue and Betty and Bob all go back to their desk and it's like, oh man, I really don't want to screw this up. How do you, how do you make it safe? For us, we are at league side. One of our biggest core values is that we are ego-free. So there is no one within the organization who feels as if they are right on every single thing that they present, nor do they think that every single thing they present is the way that we should move forward. And having constant feedback loops is really where we have found the success of our company and being able to grow to be integral. So for us, when we're having one-on-ones, and this is constantly happening between not only manager and teammate that sits under them, it's happening both. It's happening at C-suite as well. So our CEO and COO are meeting on a weekly or bi-weekly basis with every single team member to go over those different types of feedback that could be coming from many different angles. And we're owning up to mistakes that are happening even at the CEO and COO level. And when that is being really displayed by leadership and shown down to every single employee, that's where you start to feel a lot better about the fact that, hey, I can make a mistake. This is being admitted even from the top level down. For us, it's how do we learn from that and how are we going to get better going forward because of that? It sounds like an institutionalized mechanism for for supercharged growth. I mean, when, when you're not being slowed down by the kind of emotional or cultural baggage that comes from people worrying about what to do instead of just figuring out a way to get it done, that really seems like the kind of fuel that's going to power some serious growth. 
100%. And the only way that that is going to be something that teammates are going to follow is if leadership sets that tone. And that has been something we have been extremely cognizant of and know that if this is going to be the same going forward, it's going to have to stay consistent. So right now we're in the middle of COVID-19, which is why, you know, your dog is barking in the background of our of our podcast. It's kind of a normal thing now. But at some point, things are going to get back to normal. Who knows when, but at some point, you guys are going to start growing like gangbusters because youth sports is going to come back because everybody loves them. Where do you see the company and the team growing in the near future until we really hit that inflection point? Yeah. So near term, and I think this has been the key message that has been relayed across all different sales organizations, has been develop and make even deeper those relationships that you have with your current clients. That has been a huge focus for us. And the great news has been that that has paid off as we have gotten to grow certain accounts beyond just even the business lines we were working with, but to new ones now that we weren't working with before. So from a growth perspective on our side, client success is an area where we are going to be seeing immediate growth and adding team members. And it's a good problem to have for us right now. We're excited about it and that we've shown tremendous value to our current clients. And so much so, even during a time where a lot of unknowns are out there, they've decided to grow with us. So that has been super, super integral to our growth internally. And it's only going to help us as we start to grow that new business side coming out of COVID as well. To that point, growing the new business development side coming out of COVID, that's yet another level of this growth. You know, you go from five to 20 to I don't know how many, but at some point, you know, there's a lot of youth sports teams out there and there's a lot of regional and national advertisers out there. So you're going to want to build a a substantial sales organization. How do you imagine institutionalizing the passion that you guys have and and the dynamic that you have and the damn the torpedoes, make the mistakes, let's go for it attitude? How do you scale that? What's your vision? So for us, especially as we're going out and recruiting new team members, it's important that we're showing new prospective team members what this looks like beyond that specific team you may be joining. So we have with candidates now at this point, what we like to call hype calls, where it is not going to be the sales team that is reaching out to a new prospective sales team manager. It's going to be the client success team. It's going to be our operations team. It's going to be our development team that's going to reach out to that team member and talk about the culture at league side beyond just the team that they would be joining. And it's that collaborative atmosphere that we've built at league side that we think is going to be what's going so exciting or call it a new team member to want to join. So for us, making sure that beyond just where your role is going to sit, we want you to get the experience of the organization from multiple facets. And that, when you hopefully do join the team at a later point, is going to lead you to be as collaborative as possible with those other teams as well. So that's where we feel we're going to be able to shine in a marketplace right now where there are a lot of job seekers and a lot of opportunities. And we think that's what's going to make sure that league side stands out. That sounds to me like a great story. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a cool company in a cool space, approaching things in a really dynamic and innovative way. I, I wish you guys great success. I want to ask you one more thing before we wrap up the podcast. 
you told me in a previous conversation that, you know, you kind of stumbled into your sales roles or, or the, you know, the way you described it uh, with, with league side, you hardly even recognized that you were selling. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm selling stuff. Isn't this great? Because it's actually working. But if you could go back in time 10 years and maybe give yourself some advice based on what you know now, what's the one thing that you wish you had known about sales when you began your career that you know now? I wish that I knew every single role that is out there from a professional perspective has sales involved. You are constantly selling no matter what you are doing. And I had this awful like stereotype caricature of what a salesperson was. And you see it in the movies with the Wolf of Wall Street, or you might see it out there in comic strips. And it's just the slick back hair used car salesman. And like it, it gives a really bad rap to what sales is. But at the end of the day, be it you're in marketing, be it you are potentially an engineer and wanting to make sure that your project is the one you want the team to work on, how do you think that's going to happen? You need to sell your manager or the team on this being the route they need to go. And for me personally, I just wish at a younger age, I realized that. And I was some basically wholeheartedly just ate that up and said, I'm going to make sure that I'm mastering these skills out of as early of age as possible and being able to apply that to whatever role I have going forward. And that would be the biggest piece of advice I would give myself 10 years ago. Now, me 10 years ago, would I have listened to advice from someone? Well, I'm That's a different question. That's Very a different, different question. question. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so yeah. Uncle Jason's going to be giving to sell as human to all your niece and, nieces and nephews. Is that, is that Ex- exactly okay. right? <laughs> I got it. I got it. Well, listen, this has been a fantastic peek inside of, of what's going on at league side as you guys are growing and developing. Jason, thank you so much for spending some time with us. If people want to find out more about you or they want to learn more about league side, what's the best place to go and find out more? Yeah, so can find more about league side at www.leagueside.com. Can find more about me and one of my goals for the rest of the year is trying to get at least somewhat more active on LinkedIn like you, David. So if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, just go to linkedin.com slash IN slash Jason H. Smith one, and you'll be able to find me there. But uh, yeah, looking forward to hopefully a lot more interactions going on in the social media realm and a lot more wisdom I'm able to get from you and others that are in the space. Very cool. Tough to find a unique LinkedIn URL with a name like Jason Smith, but it, it looks like with the H and the one, you got it sorted out. I got it sorted out. And listen, when, <laughs> when the example Gmail address is jsmith at gmail.com, your options are pretty limited. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, I'll put all that contact information into the episode notes in case people want to reach out to you. And again, really appreciate you sharing your time. It's been really great to get to know you a little bit, get to know a little bit more about League Side. Wish you great success in the future. David, thanks so much. And apologies again for the barking. I know you have a new puppy over on your side. Get used to it. It's just the fact of life now. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm sure I'll be thinking of you every time that happens now. <laughs> Thanks, Take care, Jason. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. 
please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.